This is the Mouthpiece Podcast. Just me today, Jade's working, and I'm just sitting here, so I'm like, I better get this podcast out. Can't waste time. Gotta get going with it. So let's start off with the biggest fight this weekend, which was Carl Frampton versus Jamal uh, Jamal Herring. And I don't know why I'm stuttering right now. It makes no sense, but that's the simplest name I'm going to say today, and I'm already struggling. But let's get to this fight. Jamal Herring basically used every advantage I thought he would have in this fight, and I thought that People overthought this one, and they used what Carl Frampton was in the lower weights and being a bigger name to further pick for this fight. But I thought all the advantages Herring would have would just be too much, and they were. They were too much for Frampton. Frampton did some good things early. It was actually a pretty damn good competitive fight early. Um, Frampton had some good head movements again on the inside, but once uh, Herring just had found his distance, and he was really loose with his offense, like he was just pick, picking shots like over and over on Frampton, and Frampton was walking into him, and Herring landed one of the cleanest uppercuts you will ever see with his uh, left hand, and just put just put uh, Frampton out, like just just put him down. I was surprised Frampton got up, and when Frampton got up, it was you know it was, it was just it'd be luck if he survived at that point, and Herring. I asked before this fight, would Herring have the best performance of his life? He did. He had the best performance of his life. And he made me rethink about Herring. Like, he's legit a threat to anyone at that weight class. He really is. He's a legit threat to anyone at that weight class. Um, just, a, all, just, just a great performance. Just everything that Bo Max was working with him, it, it came together. This performance is what he needed it to do. And now, does he go and fight Shakur? That seems to make the most sense, but it's probably not going to happen. Well, I don't know if that makes the most sense, right? Like, Shakur needs a big step-up fight. I think he's good friends with Herring, so I don't know if that confuses that or not. But Herring versus Valdez is a good fight, good matchup for both guys, good payday for both guys. And it's, like, this is, like, I like when this happens for guys like Herring, like, who's a professional, and he comes and takes chances, and, you know, it just paid off for him. What I will say, though, is, like, we have to kind of like disregard these tune-up fights and what people look like in tune-up fights because Herring didn't look too great in the tune-up fights before this. And Frampton looked a little more effective in the tune-up fights before this. So I just disregard tune-up fights. If the guys get like a payday then and the promoters are willing to do that, then that's fine. But this is the fight that I, you know, I'm going to judge his performance off and this is what he looked good in. And Frampton was, you know, Frampton retired at the end of this. And I think that was, you know, he went up to the last way he could for him to like logically have a success successful run and he, he didn't have it he didn't have it anymore and herring will go on to fight valdez great fight or he'll fight shakur stevenson another great matchup and i think he's a threat to any of them i'll be honest with you i don't think he's gonna be run through by anyone i think he's a, a you know just a very good tactical boxer and this is part of the southpaw makes it even a little more trickier um i bet these guys to go over 10 and a half rounds i thought that was like a lock and it ends at a knockout in like the fifth round so devastating bet loss for me but great performance by herring i'm excited to see him going forward um i want to see what top is going to do with him let's go to the uh, other card we have uh akamadelov versus iwasa and this was the main event and iwasa did not really uh show up the way i thought he was going to show up on this fight and um Akhmedinov, Akhmedinov, I believe I'm saying his name. You know, like I said, I'm going to struggle with some names here. But he just looked exactly, you know, what he needed to do and a little more composed. Uh, just uh, didn't actually have as much movement as I imagined he was going to have. He was a little more right in front of you, didn't waste a lot of movement. Um, and he was just lighting up. Iwasa, Iwasa didn't have an answer. He would respond once in a while, but, you know, just really looked like Akhmedinov, 
was just the superior fighter and just at that point right now where he's like the top guy at the weight class because I have about the top guy at that weight class. And I think at 122, he's a hard man to beat. And I think he's, to me, like the close. he's, I, I, and if I, if I, I have my own like champ system, right? He's not the champ yet. The belt's vacated, but he's the next guy in line for the thing. When the next contender pops up, he's right there. He's a, he's a contender for the title. And Iwasa is probably done in his career. He just couldn't seem to get going in this fight. But I just was really impressed with Akhmadidilov's... I don't even know how to say his name. Like I'm so like frustrated when I can't pronounce this guy's name. Akhmadidilov, I guess. Um, yeah, just impressed with his performance. I just think that uh, hopefully Dazon could find the right opponents for him. Because this guy is... You know, he, he could be a star. And I see what DAZN's doing here, like, in match room or, like, you know, building a global reach here, like I was saying before this fight. And I was questioning this matchup, but it was a perfect matchup. He looked good. He looked really good. Like I said, I don't, I think it was low reward, high risk, low reward. But, you know, the little reward, they got it. And um, now I think it needs, a, you know, a little more of a serious matchup for him. Let's see if they can get a name. That's going to be the interesting part for Matchroom is that they can find the you know the opponents for them. They have some good fighters, but it's, I think it's kind of hard for them to find legit opponents for them. Let's go in the fight on the undercard of that one. We have Israel Madrinov versus Imani Colombo. And I picked Colombo for the upset in this fight. And uh, he didn't win, right? He didn't win. It was a, it was a risk to take him as like an upset in this fight. But I think that I still left with the same feeling that Israel will be beat. As he moves up, and he's gonna lose to a guy he's gonna be favored over, because he just makes too many mistakes. And I know early he looked super impressive, and even here he looked a little more composed. But because he relies so much on his athleticism, he relies so much on, you know, just being able to uh, to move out of areas and react faster than you can. As the fight goes on, and he gets tired, and everybody gets worse as they get tired. Like that, that's not a. Uh, you know, that's a you say for anyone, but he gets considerably worse because he doesn't have the skill to like adjust or the skill to, you know, if he slows down, he's a start, you know, change his game up to adjust to that. No, he has one one game and he has doesn't have that much ring IQ. So if he's not being able to react faster or everything like that, he's more hittable. And I thought Imani did land good shots. He just could not like get his right hand going. He could not get his right hand going at all. Um and that was that was it. He got he hit him a few times, but it just wasn't enough. Uh, Ishmael won the decision. I still, like I said, not, didn't leave too impressed with him. Uh, but you know, he did he did what he had to do. Uh, I think that I was looking at like you know everybody on Twitter, and they were kind of like down on him too. So they're seeing what I'm seeing, and uh, that real honestly just it doesn't surprise me. It's just you can't just be like I'm fast. This worked in the amateurs. It's it's just not gonna work in the pros. Like these guys have seen everything. Everything he had to offer, they've seen it. And like at the high level, it's just none of his stuff is gonna work. It really isn't. It's just not gonna work. Let's go to Bellator. This is the first fight, like I said, I have covered like on Bellator right on my podcast. And uh, it was Patricio Pitbull versus Emmanuel Sanchez. And uh I going into this fight just did not see what Emmanuel Sanchez was bringing that Pitbull couldn't withstand. Right? Like it just it it made no sense to me. Right, like I know it was a close fight because of the previous fight, but you can't just judge it off the previous fight. You kind of have to see like where are they at this point in their career. And Patricio Pitbull is at a confident point of his career. He has less movement. He's you know 
he's timing is perfect right now. He's just in a rhythm in a zone right now. And I, what I say, he reacts fast when it comes to grappling. He reacts fast. And Zachary did this. He hurt Emmanuel Sanchez. And I hate when like, and maybe when they hurt someone and then they take him to the ground i'm like well you had him hurt now i feel like you're buying him time but not pitbull like he just jumped to that guillotine he jumps to finish like he moves quick to finish fights not to like get you down and get a better positioning no he looks to finish he pulled a he pulled him into his guillotine into his guard and just cranked it and the man sanchez went out and it was one of the worst refing like he was out for a while and the ref just was just looking at it i don't even know what the hell he would have did if the guy wouldn't have told him that he was out right people when i told him when he was out i don't know what the hell you're just gonna stay looking at him i guess but emmanuel sanchez decent fighter right but he's just chose the wrong strategy too also in this fight where he was like patient moving backwards and he wasn't having a, he didn't have a lot of offense his offense isn't good enough to be like i'm gonna pick shots it has to come in like numbers because he's going to throw so much at you that he's going to hit you with, like, he's going to break you down with just quantity, right? He's not going to beat you with quality, just quantity. And he didn't do that. So I already knew, like, I knew going into this fight he wasn't going to win, but I knew as soon as I saw him start, like, moving in a circle and, like, picking shots against Patricia, I was like, oh, he's just setting himself up for, you know, a big loss. And that's what happened. And now Pitbull goes to fight um, uh, McKee in, you know, the, the match of the Bellator won, and it's probably one of the best matchups of the year, like as MMA in general, UFC, whatever, that's one of the best, best matchups of the year. You got uh, McKee, who could do it all, but is, like, super effective in the grappling, super effective with submissions, and you have Pitbull, who's right now putting everybody to sleep, right? His timing is perfect, and he's effective on the grappling, too. Just a great matchup, a big height difference. I can't wait to break this fight down and get into it, and I just think the Bellator built some excitement like this weekend he really did um they do have a lacquer of talent though like i was watching the card and i've just like none of these guys truly get me excited so like they're gonna scouting system and who they bring on now uh um mark um what the heck's his name um uh well they had the the prospect fight um oh my god how am i forgetting his name that's so frustrating one second I forgot I can search while I'm doing this. Uh, oh, Nurmagomedov, right? Nurmagomedov. I just suck with names. I, Nurmagomedov, right? Khabib's brother. I could have just said that. That'd be easier. Uh, Khabib's brother, he did look pretty good. Like, I, I think they were really hyping him up. Um, and I get why they're doing that. He did look really good. I don't know if, like, I was like, oh, I've never seen anything like this before. He looked really good for who he was facing. He did what he needed to do. He looked uh, superior to him, right? Uh, pretty much every aspect of fighting. Uh, I'm going to need to see it put together more. And uh, some, like, defensive things I saw where like, he, like, leans too much one way. And, like, he could really get caught like that. But, like I said, he's coming up. I like what I saw. It's exciting. This is the kind of thing they need. They need some names like this. Like, people that prospects that people are getting excited watching. Um, I don't know what they're doing with MVP. Like, I feel like he's one of their more sellable guys. And I don't see him enough in Bellator. I didn't even see him a lot in the highlights. Like, the highlights they had of him coming in were just like him getting knocked out. And I feel like he's a really sellable fighter for them. But I don't know. They're, 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 I don't know what technique or, you know, uh, strategy they're using for that. But the Khabib's brother... Or cousins, I'm sorry, Khabib's cousin is a he's an exciting fighter. He's a stand-up fighter. He's not really a wrestler. Like he can wrestle, but I'm saying he's not like uh, I'm gonna put you on your back and hold you there type of guy. He's not, that's not his style. He's more Muay Thai style. He, he, his kicks are like really loose. Like I was like really impressed, like how like his kicks were just like whips and like they didn't take much to get it off. I like with striking, you had to look at that, right? You had to look like what does it take to get the to for this guy to like let go of his shots. 
and is there excess movement to it? That's the thing is like sometimes people have excess movement and it looks cool and it looks like effective, but it isn't. He didn't have no excess on his kicks. Like his kick just wah, like a whip just came and hit you. And that's what it was like truly effective. And his offense was good. It's just defense I question a little bit, but I think that, you know, he's still growing. He's still, you know, up and coming fighter. That's why he's a prospect. So I'm excited. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm in on Bellator. I'm going to watch Bellator. I'm going to watch like how I watch UFC and commentate on it. Cause I think, um, I think that we need to bring some attention to it. I want these fighters to get the attention, and I, if I could help, I would like to. And I just, I'm interested in it. You know what I mean? It's a, I'm interested if they could build their brand, build their brand here on Showtime. Uh, going into like other things going on, right? In like the MMA, you got like a John Jones situation with the UFC. And I'm going to do a weigh in podcast on this where it's like, you know, the video form one because I want to like go in detail of it. But it's going to be interesting, like, if they go into bidding wars, right? Like, say, so for some reason, and the UFC would never do this, they released John Jones, right? And there was a bidding war. Like, say there was a, there was a bidding war like there, we have in boxing, right? Like a purse bid for John Jones versus Nagano. Like, how much more they would get paid somewhere separately other than the UFC? Like, we have to, like, that has to, people have to think about that. Like, this is why the UFC has, like, a huge advantage, is they're not paying their fighters nowhere near like an equal like a fair share of what they're making right it's not and they're not saying they're not paying the fighters good not saying they're not making millions of dollars they are but they're not paying like if you add it up what are they making right like a revenue sharing right if you did like an nba or the nfl and they wanted they had a union and they wanted they wanted uh negotiated a a revenue sharing system between the fighters and the ufc the UFC would hurt because they wouldn't be able to put all that money into the business point of it, right? And it wouldn't be able to put all that money into the marketing and also the production and all that. I understand that. That's why they have an unfair advantage because the fighter is seeing considerably less so the business could keep growing. Now, that's not really fair to the fighter, especially because the fighter can be cut at any moment. He's not committed. The business isn't committed to him. So people have to look at that. I know that people want to defend the UFC, and I get that because I like the UFC, and these people wouldn't. I know Dana White's mind is these people wouldn't have anywhere to fight if it weren't for the UFC. And maybe he has that, but it doesn't that doesn't matter now, right? It doesn't matter to John Jones now. John Jones doesn't work as a team with the UFC and all the other fighters. He works for himself, just like in boxing. And that's what boxing, you know, people say complain about boxing is like, why don't the guys fight each other and everything like that? Because they want the most money they can make for the fight. And John Jones wants the most money he can make for the gunner fight, which he deserves. The UFC doesn't want to pay that because the UFC doesn't want to, first of all, set a precedent of paying guys over $10 million. They don't want to set a precedent of paying them over 15 They don't want to set a precedent of precedent of paying them over 20 million right um and why is that because they can make the same amount of revenue they can make the same amount of revenue just having uh guys that take about a million dollars and they get all the profit for the ticket sales and the pay-per-view sales and the espn deal they get all that they put that towards the business they grow the business and they can uh low risk with the fighters that's what they have right now now if john jones can break that then that would set a tone with every other fighter right and that's not really what they want and i've been talking about this for like years honestly and if you go back to my pocket it's the same thing over and over again so like when they say the mma is killing boxing or ufc is killing boxing ufc is killing bellator it has an unfair advantage over all these things and maybe i don't know how bellator pays the guys but i'm just saying like over boxing because boxing is not a league it's promoters promoting fights singularly they're not like oh i'm gonna build this and this and they're all working together and i control all the fighters pay no they have to negotiate that over and over and over again and exactly why you have teofimo lopez fighting in triller and i'm so curious that they have i know they have a lawsuit going about like the contracts and how that works and fighting and the ollie act and all those things because i'm so curious if they 
somehow comes to a union or a negotiation bid or all these things, then John Jones would for sure get paid fatter. Conor McGregor would for sure get get paid fatter. Khabib, all these guys would get paid fatter if someone else would be like, yeah, I want to just sponsor the one fight. And I know that I'm going to make my money back. And it may not be the same prophecy UFC was making. And I don't need to make the, the whole prophecy UFC league because I'm not a league. I'm a promotion. I just want to make my profits at the end of every fight. And the UFC is a league. They're the NFL. He wants to be the NFL. He doesn't want to be held to one star. He wants to be held like the WWE is. It's a brand. And whatever it sends out, you, sends out to you, that's what you see. You really have no control of it. And that's what they want. They don't want people to have control of it. They don't want the fighters to have control. They don't want the fans to have control of it. And they every once in a while to do a big event, they'll fold a little bit. Like the Masvidal deal or giving Nate Diaz the BMF uh, fight. You know what I mean? They do stuff like that just because they do want to do it for a big event, but they try not to. And that's why Nate Diaz only fights like once a year. And look at this surprise performance where I'm sure he's not getting paid anywhere near where he probably, Nate Diaz could sell to get paid. You know what I mean? I'm sure of it. Like he's not. He's just not. It's just, that's the case. He's just not. And Masvidal and all these guys, if they had other promotions, could get paid a lot fatter like they do in boxing. So it's interesting. It's like when I watch UFC and I love the production. I love all these things that I'm benefit. I'm benefiting as a viewer, right? And as a fight fan, I'm, I'm benefiting of these things. But it's curious as a business, and if there's money to be made for the fighters, and if there's uh, a monopoly kind of thing going on, and that's why, like honestly, these other leagues help the UFC, right? Because people say like, "Oh, the UFC has a monopoly on it," and the UFC is like, "No, I don't." There's Bellator. There's the PFL. There's one like they don't mind these now. They don't want them to get too big, but they don't mind them being out there. Right. And they just think that they're going to get all the talent. They're going to fund all the talent. And I heard um, Holland, Kevin Holland on like Joe Rogan's thing. And he was like, no, you can't go to Bellator. It's no big deal. Like there's not it's not a big deal there. I'd like to go there. It's no fame or anything like that. And I understand what he's saying, but I also like think like that really hurts your negotiation. You know what I mean? And it's like. If they have that, right, if they have, the, like, we have the fame and this is where you get noticed and all these things, but you can't even get a sponsorship deal, really. Like, you can't wear sponsors of the thing. It's, it's very interesting. Like, it's very interesting that they built this brand. And I know, like, if you say, someone says, like, I want to watch UFC, right, they can say that over MMA, like, tissues, right? Like, I want a Kleenex. Instead of saying I want a tissue, people say I want a Kleenex, right? So they, the brand is bigger than the name of the actual thing. That's kind of like what the UFC is to MMA. Like, if you see someone that's, like, kind of doesn't watch MMA, they just be like, UFC. Like, it'd be like, two, see two guys fighting, and they start grappling, and be like, oh, they're fighting, like, UFC. That's what they'll say, not MMA. So the brand is bigger than the actual sport. But how can, long can that last? How long can they last of them controlling the market like that? That's to be curious. Now, let's get to my... Uh, uh, fake money real bets and it was a vicious blow this week so i like i said i came back at 400k right 400 something k came back to 864 last week this week i was i was going all in i took jamal hearing uh versus frampton over 10 and a half rounds dear guy did not see that coming and i bet 400k on that to win 103k well i lost so i lost 400k i took jamal herring uh versus frampton a draw right 10k just a little flyer at it plus 1400 to win 140k lost so i lost 10k uh imani colombo versus israel madrinov that was a bad you know i i see in the fight like i could i could see what i was seeing right it was like there were some things that came you know kind of accurate right it was closer it was closer fight than the people thought it was gonna be um but 
Israel, like I said, he was just there was a chance he was just going to be too athletic. That's really what it was. So I lost fifty k on that one. And the one I hit on, right? And I bet kind of big. Uh, Patricio Pitbull over Sanchez. I bet three hundred k to win one hundred eighteen k. So all said and done, I went from eight sixty four to five twenty two. Not great, right? Not great. And this week I got some more fights coming up. They're not fights that like when I first look at that I feel one hundred percent confident in, but. Let me break them down. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, I can see it. I can see that uh, Joe Smith losing. I can see that upset. So, I got to pick winners this week. I have to. You know what I mean? I'm at 522. I got I to gotta get back. 864, I can take some chances. 522, I can't take no chances. I got to make sure these, are, these, these hit. I have to. All right, guys. This has been the Mouthpiece Podcast.